I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello everyone and welcome along to your official mid-season review from the TIIT. My name is Craig Dennett and I'm your host, kind of your host, we'll all be asking each other questions as we go along, but I am your introductory host for this, this evening's podcast. I'm joined by Tommy McIntyre, Kyle McLean and Ross Chalmers as we look back over the first half of Rangers 2023-24 season. To be honest, Tommy, it's felt like to, felt like a full season well, just, already. Two, I just it? halfway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a reason why the camera angles like this because you can't see my uh, my hair starting to rapidly thin uh, when I think of it. So we yeah, can't yeah, still yeah, see that, Tommy. So oh, thanks fine. for that. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> right, okay, cut. <laughs> but, uh, Kyle, it has felt like a, a long first half of the season. There's been so many ups and downs, twists and turns for Rangers. And yet we've somehow managed to get to this stage where we're in a title race, we've topped our Europa League group and we've we've won the first trophy of the season. Yeah, I, I'd take that all day long if you'd uh, said to me that at the start of the season. I suppose we better maybe promise that a wee bit at the start of the season by, uh, I'm sure we'll come on to him, but it's been crazy so far. But as you've just rattled off there, the last of successes we've had, at least we've come on, we've got something tangible now we can point to with a, with a cup in the bag and, and topping the Europa League groups during the last 16. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll come on to everything that's happened over the over the last four or five months or so. Ross, going all the way back to the, the start of the summer, we were promised a rebuild. We were promised a, a brand new team to get excited about. We were all very excited about it. We all did umpteen podcasts about <laughs> who might be coming in and who the who the who the potential successes may be. <laughs> Looking back on them now, <laughs> somebody delete them. <laughs> how, de- how deluded we might have been at that point in time, but it was going to be such a big summer for us and. I was I was filled with hope at that point when we saw lots of new signings coming in and especially a new forward line. Yeah, I love how you start with me when it's the negative stuff. I just seem to <laughs> always be the guy that's rolled out and this is Ibrox to, to start with the negatives. Yeah, I mean, it was a big summer. I think Michael Beale, we're going to have to mention him throughout this quite a lot, that he did promise us a lot. Um, based on last season, I think there was 
some optimism in the support, probably a lot of optimism actually. We felt this was going to be a very good season for us. The signing started, um, a lot of money spent. Uh, guys like Sam Lammers, Cyril Dessers, there was a lot of, again, optimism with those signings. It's a big fee for Rangers, you're thinking the quality. Michael Beale's speaking about how he's followed their career for so long. <laughs> and yeah, I, I think... I had bought into Michael Beale at that point. I think last season there was a couple of poor results, obviously, in the, in the Cups that we felt were very important. In fact, you felt were really important for Michael <laughs> Beale. Um, and he obviously fell over there. But I, I think based on that that last old firm at Ibrooks, we felt, OK, there's probably enough here to, to, you know, if we can kick on here, we can get a few signings. We've got a great chance. And yeah, it really didn't start that way, did it? With that, that first game at Rugby Park, it was a really, really poor result. Uh, I thought... That was probably the beginning of the end for Michael B. Which sounds one game in. Well, it, 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 it's, it's cra- it is crazy to say this now. Uh, no, sorry, it was crazy to say it back then because I actually remember doing the first podcast after that game and saying it. You know, it's just the first game of the season. But really, that that system that Michael Beale had worked on all summer with that narrow bringing mm. in the Lammers and the Dessers and he was going to play this narrow, it just didn't work. And and he he just never seemed to work out after that game. And I think, the, yeah, like I said, it was the beginning of the end for him. It was, it was a pretty poor day. And ultimately, we're sitting here now with a different manager. I don't like Craig Phil. Yeah, I was sat next to him watching that commander game and he was be out that as well. So I was beal out well before then. I, <laughs> <Yeah. remember. laughs> I was definitely beal out by that we should, point. We should also face in for the, the, the listeners and the watchers, particularly the watchers, right? Not sure why we're all wearing black. Maybe, maybe as we get on to play, come on, <laughs> yeah. we'll all wear brighter clothes, right, yeah. or something like that. But also, it looks like a really odd interview process because you two have notes, and myself and Craig have not, <laughs> not, not particularly bothered to write down our notes. I know we know what we're talking about. Also, the last time we were in uh, Postcast Studio Glasgow, I was in your chair. I don't know why I've been relegated to the back here. I don't know if it's an age thing. Uh, you've been switched around. Yeah, it happens. As well. Well. I'm an old, I'm an old man, and this is very confusing yeah. for me. Yeah, we don't okay, like to mix you're it just, up. You're just Ross from now on, as far as I'm concerned. Right? It could be worse. Start talking negative. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go into the negative stuff then. No, I'm kidding. On. Um, they, they, so we started off so well in that first game against Kilmarnock, as as Ross put it. But just sticking on sticking on those signings, I guess, and we'll talk about them as we as we start to go through. We were all a bit concerned that. We didn't have enough, or would we have enough to try and reach the Champions League? And we knew that was going to come round so quickly. Um, in, in that sense, obviously, we came up against PSV in the end, who were a really difficult opponent. And actually, we've seen so far this season how good a team they yeah. actually are. It's always mm. really difficult to. I think they're unbeaten. I think they're may still actually, unbeaten. May have actually won every game. I, I think they're still unbeaten yeah, in, yeah, in so the domestic yeah. league at this yeah. stage. They obviously struggled a bit in the, the Champions League group stage, which just shows again the level that that, yeah. that comes to. But PSV, you never quite know what level of team you're going to play. We did. We put them out last season. You're thinking, right? We've got a chance. Even at Ibrooks, Ross, you and I were at that game. Some of the new signings were playing Abdulasima. Was having. It. I remember, remember him that night. Yeah, he had the worst forty-three minutes of player I've seen in a yeah. long time. Yeah. And then he smashes it in top corner. I think everyone in Ibrox that night was like, <laughs> he needs to come off at half time. Yeah. And everyone's saying it to each other, and he smacks it in the top corner. You're like, ah, I forget what I said. <laughs> it's one and, of those moments. And he's kind of kicked on from there. But the the Champions League was it's always such a big thing at the start of the season because you think, well, we need the money, we need the money, we need the money. Actually, the board. Have, it's been interesting the way the board have framed it all the time because they actually frame the Champions League money would be nice but we don't necessarily need it I think they they tend to budget based on Europa League mm-hmm. qualification seems to be where they where they go but it's still but you budget three times 
you budget for no European income, you budget for standard as in European uh, Europa League, and then your stretch target would be Champions League. So you budget three times. I get that, but they've just been through a full transfer window where they bought 11 players and they've spent umpteen amounts of money. So they've got to, I guess, they, 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 you go for the mean, and if you overachieve, then. Yeah, then I, what I'm just pointing out to. is, yeah, you, you kind of bracket it. I mean, the, the club have always been very clear as well. Um, not, not walking past the fact that there was Boldrum transformation in the summer uh, as well they've always been very clear that when it comes to transfers it's on a, a relative case-by-case -case basis if a case can be made then there's relative budget I'm, I mean I'm not saying that make a case for a 50 million pound signing and they're going to find the budget down the back of the couch or anything like that but uh, I'm just pointing out that you you know the club do budget on three different criteria which is okay that's the worst case scenario nothing works this is your mean if you like and then that would be the stretch but it doesn't naturally play into right well there's a defined pot of money when it comes to transfer you know the, the old uh, people of a certain age will get this where it used to always be the headline such and such has got a war chest <laughs> of X amount right okay what type of war are we fighting right but there's a war chest there um, so yeah that's what I'm just pointing out yeah I think amongst the fans though the comparison is always, well, Celtic are automatically qualified. Mm. Mm. We need to try and keep pace with them because we, we've always seen, especially for the last period, that we are trying to catch up with them in terms of finances. Yeah. We're trying to catch up with them in terms of how much we can spend on players, how much we can spend on wages, because that, I guess, amongst fans is seen as a bit of a barometer mm. as to, well, if we are spending the same amount on wages, we're spending the same amount on players, we should be able to compete with them. And that's kind of the where fans see it. Heading into the Champions League, Kyle, I'll come to you for this one. Heading into the Champions League, how optimistic were you about that, about getting past PSV? We obviously saw in the second leg their real quality and where our deficiencies were at that stage, but how optimistic were you kind of heading into that? Uh, a, nice, a nice straightforward one there, Craig, but honestly, pretty optimistic. I think I think anybody that says they weren't is, is not telling the full truth there, partly because we'd beaten them. Quickly deleting all my tweets. I, 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 I think it was a few. But just on this sort of, the wave of good feeling that we had with Beal being the manager, I mean, they certainly talked the talk. I mean, every one of these transfers that he brought in, that was his first choice transfer in that position. You know, the Sufuentes one, I felt like I was talking about four months in the build up to that, but I don't know, you just really thought that that team was going to do something. We never really seen it in pre-season, but back to your question, I was pretty confident that we would get into the Champions League, to be honest with you. That, I mean, obviously we don't, we, we couldn't predict what, what PSV were going to go on to do this season and, and have such a good season, but I mean, the, the golf in class in that second game was terrifying, I think, um, to be fair to say, but yeah, I thought we'd beat them, but we didn't. Yeah, Ross, I think we were, we were pretty similar when we went to to that game, even after the first leg, we were pretty confident. We knew that Sangari was their standout player at that moment in time. He was, he kind of ran the show again at, at Ibrox, but it was two each. You felt like you were going you were going across to Eindhoven, you were going to have a good chance, but we just didn't turn up. That was the first time where it was that sort of, oh, this maybe isn't quite as as good or the team aren't quite as gelling as quickly as we wanted to and after the Kilmarnock result you're then starting to to snowball a wee bit um, I'll be honest I, I wasn't very optimistic about that that PSV tie I, I felt the season before it's kind of on brand for you that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to agree with you Ross I wasn't particularly optimistic no I wasn't oh. I, I thought the, the the previous season not to go back too far I thought actually the two games at iBooks were very similar I thought it, there was a you know, it was a good competition between the two teams, but you could see PSV's quality. You've seen it last year as well. So I felt I felt that at Ibrox, and I just felt 
we just didn't have enough to go over there and get a result. Now, last year, fantastic. Let's be honest, we, it was a smashing grab, really, wasn't it? With like we done well to win the ball up, but and he puts that away. But I still felt last year they had a wee bit more quality than us, and I just felt it wasn't it wasn't going to happen again. Yeah. I, I just didn't feel it was going to get that way. And yeah, Kill's right to say we we got battered. Really, Let, let's look at it. And 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 by the way. It, it sh- they've shown their quality all season, so it's not like you're playing against a side and it's just you know that one off. They've went through their whole domestic campaign and they're they're battering everyone, so it, it's not the worst result. But yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't very optimistic at that stage, and I think looking back now, I always feel I'm so negative already. <laughs> we really should have seen this all coming with the preseason performances. Yeah. Rangers were very poor for a preseason. And I do realise I've skipped over this Servette game where we were yeah. also poor and struggled. Yeah. But yeah. I was kind of. But that, but you're. I think you're in a way kind of right to skip over that because it's one of those ties you just want to get through. Yeah, you can, yeah. you know, you've probably got enough quality to get through it, and you'll take any way to get through it. I think against PSV, you knew it was going to be a bit of a stretch for us to make it. But really, I remember getting past that game, and going, okay, that they have a lot of quality. They're they're clearly better than us, but. The, the performances were the worrying thing at that stage. Yeah. I think that's what was happening. And, and really, when you look back now, you always think when the competitive side comes, you think, well, this team will click now. You know, it's yeah. pre-season, you give them a lot of time. It wasn't. And I think that's when alarm bells started to ring around that PSV. More domestic performances, but yeah, the fact that we just didn't perform at all away um, in Holland was really poor. I think everything had been... Well, first of all, you're going to save us a lot of time throughout the season by just clipping that two seconds of you saying you're negative <laughs> and that's going to save me tons of time throughout the season and just send that to you right and then I think it comes back to the domestic <clears throat> game in terms of Kilmarnock because that set the scene for every other performance because you were laying it against that why couldn't we perform there as well you weren't seeing the team gel there was a coherence that everybody was expecting to see which wasn't matching up to the rhetoric you were getting told that it was going to be firebrand football, it was going to be fast flowing, it was going to be free, it was going to be chaos up front, I think was one of the quotes as well. Hand break off. Hand break off. I was trying to stay oh, away from that one, to be honest oh, with you. Right? I, was, I was definitely trying to, to stay away from that. <laughs> Ask so the Sunderland glad. fans about that one oh, after I, the weekend there. Yeah, I'm glad somebody else has jumped in with that, so thank you. Um, but you weren't seen on the pitch. And like you said, the Servette one, you put it on one side because it is just about getting getting through there. Then you come up against a decent, a really decent side. And I think other than one moment away where we pulled one back and you thought, oh, maybe there's a smash and grab about to happen here and I think we conceded immediately from a free kick. Um, don't get me started on free kicks under Michael Beale either, right? But um, yeah, it wasn't matching up to what we were told. And then you go, right, maybe that's people gelling, that takes time. But then you started to look at the individual players that had been signed and the level of performances and that's when it really started to unspool. Yeah. Because if you go at that, these all look like really, really uber-talented guys and it's just coming it just needs to get to click okay you got a wee bit of back and forward if you're seeing it not click and you're looking at some of those guys and you're going right you've evidently playing with some sort of concussion right because that's that's not a real footballer <laughs> then that's a recipe for disaster and it becomes a cautionary tale let's talk about some of those signings I guess Jack Butland is the success story of, yeah. of the whole thing Jack Butland is the one who We've even seen in, in recent games over the festive period that Jack Butland has saved us in big moments. In the mm. Kilmarnock game on the, the 2nd of January, yep. they were through one-on-one after Conor Goldson has a bit of a brain fart and <laughs> signs a centre midfielder for, <laughs> for five, for five yeah, seconds. Yeah. And um, Jack Butland makes a huge save and it's not the first time and it won't be the last time either that Jack Butland shows his worth to us. Outside of that, Ross, where are the successes? Where are the potentials? Looking at Danilo... Um, looking at Sima 
Sima. Yeah. Um, and you're looking at potentially Kieran Dowell, he's not played enough. Really, outside of that, Lammers isn't cutting it, probably going to be away in January. Um, isn't cutting it. I know, isn't cutting that's it. That's the latest <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, I've heard so far. <laughs> that, is, um, that, yeah. is, that is not WhatsApp material, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. Uh, there we go. Des Dessers is getting numbers, but not doing no, having the overall yeah. performance. I don't think he's going to turn around fan opinion now where are the yeah. where are the successes from the Michael Beale transfer window and where are the where are the failures in your eyes you're now really trying to get me to be positive where are the successes <laughs> you're throwing it to me uh, Jack Bolton does the obvious one right yeah. um, you know he's came in and we know as Rangers fans how important that number one jersey is and he's grabbed it hasn't he really he's he's really filled that shirt pulled off a lot of big saves a lot of big saves in U the European games actually through those ties mm. he was making big saves so He's definitely one for me. Um, Abdullah Sima is the other one. Kale's right there. I agree with him. Um, I think he he struggled at the start, Sima. Um, I think he is quite raw. Sometimes you look at him and think he's not got it all. He's not putting it all together yet. Do have to remember he's only twenty two, right? So it's still a guy trying to find his feet. But I, I knew Dad in case you didn't know. Yeah, uh, I know that one's been what? repeated. Quite, I know. I know. He's also not ours yet. Yes. I'm just I'm just going through that. I'm just going through that in there. There we go. A little bit of positive balance. <laughs> so regardless whether it's a parent or alone, it's a successful signing. I th I think they are the only two you can really pick out as saying they've been a successful so far. You know, Danilo. Um, his numbers, his return is actually... Are you putting Raskin and Cantwell outside of that because they were the season before? I, I'm putting them outside of that. Yeah, I'm putting them outside of that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Okay. You're not? Well, I'm just saying if you're looking at his transfers, are you just putting those two aside? You know, have Cantwell and Raskin been tremendous successes? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think they, I think they yeah. would be. I think Both got a trophy, man. Yeah, I think I that's think a success. Stick it and Cantwell well, have been pretty good... Um, to be honest with you, I was more just looking at it for this summer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah in fair terms enough. Of who we signed, um, I, I don't want to take everyone. I'm sure. I'm, I'm just trying to beat you, Ross. I'm just trying to beat. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, Danilo, yeah, like I was saying, he's got probably good, good return for the the minutes he's played. But again, unfortunately, he's run into injuries and he's now out. It looks like he might be out for the season, unfortunately. So again, you can't put it down that it's a, a success. Dujon Sterling done very well lately. Been brought into midfield. Not seen enough of him to say it's a success. Has he maybe shown in the last couple of months? He could be, yes, but mm. he's not done enough for me. Yeah. Kieran Dowell, again, injuries caught up with him. Again, when he's came in, looked good. Yeah. There's, there's Most of them, you have to say, have been pretty poor. And I don't want to be the one that talks about Sam Mars and Serial Dessers because I'll just get labelled with negative again. So I'm going to yeah, let Kale. You've absolutely teed me up yeah. perfectly for that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, like, the way I'm bracketing, Butlin's been the success. I think there's still question marks over your guys like... Sifuentes is a name that's not been mentioned. I've done so many pods in him. I still think there's a bit of a player in there. I know he's, he's um, the jury's out with some of the Rangers support. But yeah, if we're talking about Sam Lammers, it was all so positive at the start. I remember the goal that he scored Best against... Best play in pre-season. Oh, yeah, phenomenal. Um, but And that's the last time I'll ever say Sam that Lammers and phenomenal in the same sentence. But uh, it all started so positively with the... Was that goal? Was it Newcastle he scored Newcastle against, yeah, right? Against. And I was thinking, right, here's this new way of football. We are going to play high press and high intensity. And Sam Lammers is going to be the man to lead the line throughout this season. But it's just... It's not translated into that at all. He's just... He gets into the positions. But he, he, he either then can't control the ball or he hits the ball straight at the goalkeeper or he hits it five yards wide. Like, for a guy that gets into all the right positions and is 
we hear repeatedly how good he is in training and everyone's so impressed with him in training to then not be able to replicate that even every now and again on the pitch is just right. strange it's, mm. it's, a, it's got to be a confidence thing the, the only time I've ever seen him do it was, was against Dundee and that goal scored against Dundee was an absolute screamer but he's just the fact that it's only one out of half a season though is that's it, it it's, you can't justify paying that amount of money for, for something like that I mean because I, I can't remember who it was that said that. I think it might have been Tav that said that Brandon Barker <laughs> was yeah. the best trainer that he worked with and, and I've repeatedly heard several players say that but uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah Trent Alexander-Arnold coming up against yeah. him Which is, and saying he absolutely ripped him apart but, as in he ripped Trent Alexander-Arnold yeah. apart yeah. but if you kind of do it on match days you're, it's not worth anything to us yeah. and, and that's that's ultimately where the Sam Lammers lies with me the pro- I was just going to say the problem with Sam Lammers is he look you can see that he's a good technical footballer he doesn't have any pace though. So he, even if he beats a man, he tries to beat him re- repeatedly yeah. because he doesn't have enough to get away. And I just think he's struggling with the this, the pace of the game here yeah. in general. Like he, he just doesn't have enough time on the ball, and he's he's wanting a lot of time on the ball, especially in central areas. You've seen it that day at Rugby Park. He was picking the ball up in good areas, but he was taking way too long to release yeah. it, way too long mm-hmm. to turn, and they were on him straight away. Yeah. And it's one of those games where you look at it and go, "Well, this is good." Okay, he gets out of his system. He realizes the kind of teams he's going to be playing against, the system's going to be playing against, but he's just never got over it. Every time you see him in a Rangers jersey, he just, I think he feels like he's got more time than he does. And, and actually, I felt towards the back end there, just before the winter break, he was kind of hiding in games. And I actually think that's why he's not playing now. You know, he hasn't kicked a ball. He didn't come on um, at Parkhead. He didn't play in the last game there at Kilmarnock at all. He's not getting minutes, you know, yeah. bought for three and a half million. And I think that Philippe Comont is seeing the same thing that the fans are seeing. He doesn't want he doesn't want the ball. He's hiding now. And you can't you can't do that in a Rangers jersey. You've got to show everything. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And he's not. Yeah, we'll come on to some of the points in the season where I think the fans turned on various players and the fans turned on on the manager but Tommy I think the first and it was Sam Lammers was a prime culprit during during this game but the first point that um, the fans just went right this isn't working for Michael Beale was the Old Firm game at Ibrooks. the Old Firm game at Ibrooks yeah. was the point where Celtic were a really weak team we could see they were a weak team they had their third and fourth choice centre halves playing at Ibrooks. we had our, the crowd behind us Yes, we had the goal disallowed, um, the Kamar Roof goal disallowed, but we we were effectively playing well up until we got to the edge of the 18-yard box and then looked like we hadn't seen a football before. And it was it was so frustrating as a as a fan. You felt the Celtic were there for the taking. It was a real chance for this team to put a marker down for the season and yet we're undone by a, a very good finish um, mm-hmm. from, from Kyogo from outside the box. But... 
effectively one one good shot and and we had the, we dominated possession that day we dominated the the number of shots but we just didn't it look like we were going to score on a month of Sundays and Sam Lammers had had probably the best opportunity of the lot because he Did. he tried to take it round the goalkeeper and then fell over as he hit the side netting and I think that was where the fans just went right this isn't working we yeah. need to change obviously it was a bit of time before the board got to that stage and it was about yeah. a time before all fans got on but that was the first moment of the, the, um, sort of the fans turning against Michael Beale that, that I definitely felt I, I think that's fair although I'd maybe I'd maybe take slightly different messages out of it actually um, in terms of Celtic still a team that know how to win when they came to Ibrox they still have that quality up top you, you referenced Keogh's finish there right so it's not as if they were going to be pushovers I agree with you though I think what really got under people's skin in terms of forget the players for a second, right? Because the guys have covered Sam Lammers. I don't feel like I need to man mark him as well, right? He's not going anywhere, right? So it's big. So, uh, well, I. Other than they say, one of those things that he's he's not able to do is like a Cantwell. Cantwell can shield the ball and, and move it. Lammers wasn't even able to kind of do that. And I'm sure he'll go on to another club and he'll be okay, right? He's not a terribly bad technical footballer. That just definitely hasn't worked at, at Ibrox and it never will. Jersey's way too weighty for him. But to go back, I think when what really undid Michael Beale in the eyes of the supporters, particularly people like myself and all that, was we didn't go after them. It's not a case of, right, there was bad finishes, because that can happen anywhere with any player, right, we've seen it. Or we were a bit unlucky, because that can happen. It was, you saw their team sheet, you knew what they were playing in, you know, an untested centre-back pairing, etc. And we didn't even force the shape. We didn't go after them, we didn't try anything in-game. And you're thinking, hold on, we were supposed to be getting a, an absolutely fantastic coach who can read the game, who can change it in match, who really goes after that type of thing. Why aren't we doing any of this? And everybody's sitting watching that, and then Celtic take their take their chance with that uh, fantastic finish. And you go, hold on, we haven't laid a glove on them here. And you know, that's what really got under people's skin. And as you say, unpicked the stitching of right, there's there's confidence in this guy being able to work work the team and work against opponents and come up with in-game answers to the questions that are posed by by rivals. Yeah, it, it started to sound like a bit of a hollow busted flush after that when he was talking about... It had been growing to that point, but after that when he was talking about flowing football and fast and attacking, you go, hold on, you had your chance. That was a big, big moment and you absolutely didn't prepare the team or they didn't carry out your instructions both are equally as bad sometimes because you're going, if your team won't come with you, Ross, you'll try to jump in. Do you know think that was remarkable though based on the, the old firm at the back of last season where Rangers came out that day and were flying and yeah. got a Celtic from the first whistle and you could go, well, why, why don't you do it again? But then is that does that show that Michael Beale wasn't able to instill that mentality into this team? Because there were, let's, let's say as it is, there was nothing on that game last season and Rangers came out flying. Yep. There was a lot on this game, a lot of pressure outside of just the title race I remember turning up to Ibrox that day, I think we covered the game. We did. And we said that his job really is on the line here. It, it, yeah. it really is because it's such a big game. Celtic are quite vulnerable at the moment and we have to go and lay a marker. And and it's just funny how football works. I think the same pressure that Michael Beale was under after the game, Brendan Rodgers would have been under the same thing. That's mm. that's how thin a line it was at the time. But I think that I think that just shows that Michael Beale was already under pressure at that point. He was. And his team came out and played like they were under pressure. It wasn't a team that we're going to say, okay, let's put everything to, to the back of our minds that's happened for this season. Let's go for it. You know, it's one game. Let's see if we can win this. Let's, let's try and yeah. kickstart our season. The team didn't come out like that. The team sat deep. 
they let Celtic dominate the ball. It's the one thing Brendan Rodgers wants in his team is to dominate the ball from the back and we let them do it. And they just found their way into the game and they deserve to win that day. They yeah. absolutely did. We did not do enough to get a result that day. And I think that's the, the key point. So absolutely spot on there in terms of, I, not that you would ever agree or accept getting beaten in an old firm, but in terms of Michael Beale and the view that the fans had of him, if the team had come out and played really up front and pressurised the ball and, and went toe-to-toe -to -toe and it just didn't work out that day, you go, yeah. okay, fair enough, we're seeing it, right, you try to get something. But they didn't. Yeah. As you said, they sat back, we're pulling our head out in the gantry going, right, <laughs> what's happening here? Along with 50,000 other people pulling their head out, right? Somebody had to come along and sweep that up. But aye, and that was the unpicking of the stitch and you go, listen, what you're saying in press conferences and what you're telling us, doesn't match up to how your team's playing. The yep. disconnect is quite apparent at this point and you're on borrowed time. Yeah, absolutely. We'll come on to talk about the final moment and Tommy, you and I were the ones on the gantry when it was the Aberdeen yeah, game. Am I the thread now? Am I the negative thread? <laughs> Hold on a minute. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Angel uh, of death in the gantry, <laughs> waving. I was realising that. Yep. Um, Thanks, Larry. <laughs> Kyle, it was kind of up and down. We were... We weren't playing well, but we were still getting some results in the league. We were, we dropped a couple of points um, here and there. Europa League was kind of bubbling along without anything impressive happening. They really won their win over Betis, I guess, aside because that again that's, yeah, was, that was a, that was a really good one. But what was the point for you where you thought it's just this isn't going to work? It's not going to recover. It's time for it's time for Michael Beale to to head for the exit door. <laughs> It, it probably was not too long after that old firm game to be honest with you as I said it's 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 very rare that I leave Ibrox angry and that day was angry I was angry because they just that was a team that weren't fighting for their manager that was a team that didn't believe in the system that we were playing it was a team that I don't actually think knew what they were doing half the time in the nicest way possible but yeah you're, you're probably looking at about that that time to, to say uh, Beal's got to go because it was just I've never experienced a, a such a turn on a manager like that but it's just it was it's because of all the wee sound bites we were getting fed and and people could just start to see through it that this isn't happening but yeah at that time it was it was time for him to go that yeah. was the most toxic I've ever seen Ibrooks after that Aberdeen defeat well during what, 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 and after yeah, that, uh, that, that was before, the I was going to say game. before we <laughs> yeah. get to Aberdeen game what about the Motherwell game where we won oh yeah the Motherwell yeah. game where we won yeah. that was, yeah, that was that toxic was when you've won a game yeah. you, know, you know it's pretty yeah, bad yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. uh, were, they, were they booed at full time that day yeah, yeah won the were. game yeah um, and I think I really don't I actually remember Michael Beale in the presser after that one he was not happy with the reaction from the fans mm. that day I think he I think he might have called it out but yeah the atmosphere at Ibrooks at that point I've never seen that for a manager. I've never seen that either. Even when you look at like Geo, even when you look at Pedro yeah. and stuff like that, I don't think I've ever seen a reaction quite vociferous. Yeah. Maybe maybe Paul Gwen when St Johnston beat us at Ibrox in the Cup. Maybe. I was there that night. I was a lot younger, obviously. That's <laughs> <laughs> way back in time. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I've ever... I mean, they were... It was bad during the game. I remember turning to you uh, in the gantry and going, as soon as Aberdeen had went up, we, we don't have anything here in terms yeah, of team. Seema gave us a chance and you're like right let's go and then Aberdeen just went up the other end did, oh, did you actually feel let's go though because I, I remember sitting in the stands that day and everyone was like I don't, 
Yeah. I, can't, I cannot see us getting a result. Your Rangers at Ibrooks with 13 minutes left or whatever it was. You've got a sense of, right, we've got a chance here. I'll be honest. In a weird way, I'm glad we didn't. Yeah. I, <laughs> because it's just a signal the end. If, if he scrapes through with a 2 1 or something like that there or yeah. whatever, then you're, you're like, right, okay. But it's. It was it was it was exactly the right time for it to be the end. It's yeah. the most toxic I've ever seen the, the players having to interact with the fans yeah. at the final whistle because we were sitting so we were left hand side of the gantry right and looking down at the, the kind of un, where the union bells are and the players were walking around. You get Tav kind of saying the union bells calm down. You've got Lundstrom apologising, tapping his jersey and all that. You've got serial Dessels just walking in a circle like a broken man. Yeah, Sam He was Miles. the last man. I remember you saying he was the last man out uh, and he was the one that was getting the most abuse out of anyone. Yeah. He was the last man walking yeah. round yeah. and you're like, just get him off the pitch. Uh, like, yeah, I feel there was a failure of uh, his teammates and his coaching staff. You don't let that guy be the last guy up the tunnel for people to take, uh, take things out on. I think Lammers had disappeared. Ben Davies was called back by... I think Tav, I remember watching this, Tav has shouted on, I think it was to John Sterling or Robbie Matondo um, and said, get Ben Davies and get him to come back on, walk over to the fans. No, Davies went right up the tunnel and he, he knew he was being shouted. I think Michael Beale disappeared as well. He knew, he must have known what was happening. It was <coughs> absolutely toxic. You need some players trying to apologise to the fans and then, and then they disappeared and you thought, the jig's, the jig's completely yeah. up here. It's yeah. not getting repaired no matter what happens? That's yeah. it going. We've, we've obviously, Ross, we've had, we've had, especially when Gio left, we had a, a go at the board because the, we felt that they left it two or three weeks too late and it meant that a couple of results fell by the wayside and it just put us further behind and we had to be at that point. I felt they did it absolutely at the right time with Michael Beale and they acted swiftly. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's it proved to be the right decision because of where we are right now. You know, we brought in Fluke Colon and there's a title race on. Of course, we're relying on those... Uh, games and hands being won but ultimately I think most fans felt at that point that the title race was probably over so the board have acted decisively and, and they've made the right decision <laughs> I, I do give them credit but I think there was only there was only one choice really wasn't it the, yeah. the board will have known that the, there was no way well, that the, the noises they were making internally at the club at that point in time was season's not over yeah. we, we thoroughly believe we can win something whether that was title I know I, there might be a bit of spin on that, but they thoroughly believed that if they got somebody in, the right man, they could they could come out this season with something. Yeah, I think it's Michael Beale was gone. I think we were all quite pleased when I can't quite please maybe the understatement of the century. When, <laughs> <laughs> it's never nice to see a Rangers manager no, get a goal because it means a Rangers manager's not performing. That yeah, means a Rangers yeah. team's not performing, which I never like. But apart from the ways had to harm. I think the immediate thing for me, even before Michael Beale was sacked, was well, who do we get in next? Mm. There wasn't an obvious candidate. You saw Frank Lampard being uh, bandied about and you saw various different other names that you're just like, it's just going to be the same again in a year's time. We're just going to be back in the same place with the same problems and she's going to have to go through all this again. Um, I think they were right to give Stephen Davis or give a, a, a mm. caretaker manager a couple of games, even though it was risky because they included a Europa League game away to Aris, who... Um, Seem to be our nemesis this this Europa League. Um, was it four group. points and yeah. they were all against us? Uh, yeah, but it's typical Rangers, isn't it? I was <laughs> going to say, but then told the crew, yeah, we'll just go to Seville <laughs> and we'll win yeah. this time. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. Let's gloss over that. But yeah, so Stephen Davis was in charge of a couple of games there, and then started to get some noises that Fluke Comont was going to come in, previous Club Bruges manager, previous Monaco manager, mm -hmm. wasn't someone that was really on my radar. 
at any point? Was it one that excited you, Kyle? Was it one that, oh. that was it one that kind of came out of left field? Do you think? And were you? How did you feel about the other candidates I, that were there as well? I can. I'm glad you've asked me this because honestly, I can tell you the exact moment. I was. I was actually prepared. I'm sure you and I were on a pod, Ross, and I was. We were going through the list of candidates and and just. It was your Frank Lampard's, your um, Muscat, Muscat, Galardo, eh? Yeah, Janssen was yeah. one. Yeah, I've got them all locked, locked in my mind. That's included <laughs> with Billy Davis, uh, Sam Allardyce, oh, Neil yes. Warnock. There was oh, a lot being thrown about Marty. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and I remember looking through that, and then just about maybe an hour, hour and a half before we did the podcast live, there's this name, Philippe Clement, just mm. out of nowhere. And the more and more I read about it, I was just like... Hmm. I was like, this seems a bit too good to be true. So I, I think it took me about an hour to decide that I wanted him in as a manager, looking at his credentials, looking at the way he'd been at his previous clubs. I know it didn't work out quite well with him at Monaco, but he just, and so he's been to have proven he's, he's a total opposite character from Bill. What he says you get with him. Um, and yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about it, about transforming it. Muscat. I wasn't too. I wouldn't have been too horrified at the idea of Muscat coming in as a manager. I like. I think I was quite on board with Kevin Muscat as well. Probably the only other one that I was like, you know what? I'd give him a. I'd give him a chance. You're obviously a wee bit wary about his temperament and stuff like that, and you're wary about. He's he's played for Rangers before. We're just going down the. Mm. He's been a Rangers player, so he'll he'll be a Ranger. He'll be a good Rangers manager, kind of thing, kind of route. Um, I thought it was more of a fad thing that somebody gets something from the Far East. Um, and then that has to be the next hot place that you have to go yeah. and get stuff and you go like well there's a guy in Europe around your doorstep yeah I think that, I think that's fair was it was Flukewant one that excited you Ross when you first heard about it or was it yeah I think I'm, I, I was the same as Kyle I, I didn't really know a lot about him but when his name came up and I think the, the sources you were hearing mm. it from you knew there was something concrete in it and I started looking at his record in Belgium which was really impressive I think the thing that stood out to me was and maybe it's not the long term what you want in the Rangers manager but his ability to come into a side and you know rejuvenate them and, and get something out of them I think in, in Belgium he was able to do that come in steady the ship and then the next season he was able to bring success he'd done that in numerous teams in Belgium so that that was the main plus for me ultimately again winning titles which is something that we, we want to do as a club isn't it so if you're bringing someone in with the experience to do that it's a massive plus so yeah I was definitely on board with Philippe Clement when it came to me. And I, I wasn't one that wanted Kevin Muscat. I just didn't I didn't like the connection. I think there was too much built on that he was coming from um, Yokohama Marinos, which Ange Postacoglu came from. He played a very similar system. And I just, I, I think Kieran actually said that one of our podcasts, he, he probably wouldn't have been linked if it wasn't for that yeah. Postacoglu. Yeah, so. But I, th I think it goes back to the fact that we knew we needed a change in mentality in that dressing room. And he was mental as a player and I think okay he was playing beautiful football with Yokohama but it was just the fact that somebody was going to come in and take charge of the players I think that was what the main that's, thing yeah, was that's not the, sorry that's not the, the kind of mindset change that you need what you need is exactly what you've got which is somebody who's credible yeah very credible Clement doesn't come across to me as someone that would be shouting and screaming in the dressing room he comes across as someone that's got a bit of a presence you respect him he he builds that relationship within the whole team yeah. that everyone's in it together he speaks about that all the time and obviously he understands the relationship with the fans, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. So, yeah, everything that I'd read about before Philippe Clement came in, I was really positive about. Yeah. Once he'd came in, I was lucky enough to be in the bloom room that day when he was, was unveiled and you could feel it. You know, it was like, OK, this this is our real yeah. manager, which we haven't had in a while. I think Steven Gerrard had a bit of a presence, but mainly based on his 
football career himself. Van Bronckhorst, of course, had the, the history with Rangers and, of course, he was a top-level player. Um, probably didn't get that with Michael Beale and I think a lot of people bought into the, the tactical side for him as coaching that experience. But when you sat in the room with Clement, I'm sure we all have now, we've been in the same room as him, you can feel it. <laughs> you really can feel it. He's, and it just grabs the respect of the room straight away yeah. um, and he just knows how to manage people and that's with the media as well he's very good like off camera he's very good with him and he's very nice and he's just someone that you know the players will follow you know and, and that's exactly what you want in a Rangers manager yeah Tommy's presence was I think the first thing that I noticed about him was this that when he walked into that press conference room everyone shut up <laughs> there, was, there was just like an aura about him that was like right I, I am here I am the Rangers manager you will not mess with me but he didn't say a word when yeah. that was all conveyed. Yeah. He didn't say a word, but that was all conveyed. Was that? But I think to me, that's what I want a Rangers manager to be like. It's what I want the Rangers manager, to, or what, what I want to believe the Rangers manager is like with the players as well, especially yeah. in tough moments. I think that was more what it was than than having that presence in front of the media because people can people can have that. The media aren't the scariest people in the world. Um, Look at the four of us. So, <laughs> well, three. <laughs> I mean, take myself out of that. But I, I want to, I want to get an insight from them or, a, or an understanding of how they're going to be with players in the dressing room. And I don't think he changes. I nope. think he's the exact same with everyone, no matter who you are, no matter how what relationship you are to to the club, whether you're media, whether you're staff, whether you're players, whether mm -hmm. you're um, anything like that. I think he's, he's the same every time and. That was what really came across to me and impressed me in the, the first instance. Yeah, but and to that, I can definitely tell you he's, he's respected across the club. He is very much authentic. What you see in the press conferences is exactly what he's like off camera. And comes back to that, and I'm not comparing him to the, the previous manager or anything, but you're always looking for probably two things, right, which is that credibility. He comes in, you know, he's probably blessed as well he's a big he's a big unit right? I'm not going to argue with him anytime soon but also he comes with that yeah I've won titles I've not won the odd cup here and there I've won titles right with different clubs or right, in the same country right you're always looking for multiple countries but he's done it with different clubs then goes to Monaco whatever but he's a credible respected name then he comes in and deals with you respectfully as well and he gives you legitimate answers and he'll tell you up front I'm not I'm not I'm not dealing with that question. It's really that simple. I want to talk about this and this is where it is. And then in terms of building that rapport with the, the fans, he takes that really, really seriously and wants the club to be that kind of community family feeling. But also he turns to them and he goes, oh, by the way, I'm getting a better tune out of some players that haven't been performing. You can see what I'm trying to do in terms of front foot pressing and first trophy of the season, there you go, and I've got his back into the title race. You put those things together and you go, oh, not only does he talk a good game, and he does it in a way that's, I've been there and I've done it, guys. But also, and this will translate into the players in the dressing room as well. But then he also turns around and goes, and I've backed it up. Just don't listen to me. Look with your eyes. Teams, it's not stellar football, right? Because he's dealing with some of the same players, right? And some of the problems. But he's been pragmatic in terms of getting victories. And I will take pragmatism all the time I see it. All the time. That's what he's been able to do. Then he translate that into changing. So he looks ahead now to how he can fashion a team that more coherently represents him but in terms of previous incumbent of the, the managerial chair it's night and day because when he does turn to you if you've asked him a question or you're in his presence or anything like that you know you're in the presence of a proper football guy who thinks deeply about it not just the physical side of the game and the tactics but the mental side of the game and he translate that, translates that into the, 
into the team as well. But he's also thinking about every single part of the club. You know, there's a reason why we've went right after the scouting area. There's a reason why we've went right after the um, analytical side of it as well. And there's a reason why we went after the recovery and the fitness area. These are all areas that he identified. He's watched every single game prior to coming in and he, he saw things that he did not like. And that was part of the conversations with the board as well. I expect some of this stuff to change immediately. Okay. And then it all starts to come together. Right now, he's been an unqualified success. Yes, you would have loved to have won the last Old Firm game. We'll come to that, right? But unqualified success. Get yourself back the trophy. Sorry, the title race. Make this team relatively credible. If you can, qualify in Europe. That's all right. I'll top the group. And by the way, try and win a trophy. I'll win the first one that's available. Those are some pretty big ticks with that score the way it currently is right now. Yeah, we'll come on to various points that you've raised there, Tommy. You kind of just blown the agenda as you normally do. He did it. He did it earlier. <laughs> Kyle did it earlier. So I did it. In, I did it in a very. I did it in a very clipped way, right? So, so that nobody can walk past me when we get to these points later on. Kyle, from your perspective, though. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Michael Beale, very early on, his post-match interviews, his pre-match press conferences were waffle. Um, his <laughs> See what you really think, Greg. <laughs> they were. And I think Sunderland yeah. fans are seeing that as well. Yeah. Um, with, with what they're seeing early doors. But you always felt he didn't watch the same game that you watched oh. as a fan. You always felt that he was not seeing the same things from the team that you were seeing as a fan. With Luke Quant, that's completely different. How did you... How did you view that? How do, how do you view that change in terms of, as Tommy said, bringing everyone on board, Ellie Dorf for Fluke, come on, and, and actually just getting the belief with the fans and getting the fans behind the manager? Yeah, well, he's been very clever the way he's done it. Like, I think the one thing that you can respect from a Rangers manager above all else is, is honesty. And I think the things that he said that has translated to that on the pitch. I mean, he didn't come in and and, and uh, you know, try and feed us a, a line. He's, he's come in, he's been very matter-of-fact. You know, it's okay, I need to get the fans back on side. That, that was a big word, wasn't it? Synergy and getting them, you know, talking about uh, the playing style, or I think he referred to some poor lateral passing <laughs> in the early part of the season, you know, and he said, that'll change. It seems to have changed. As, as Tommy alluded to, things behind the back. I think it was very clever not immediately coming in and bringing his... And I know Stephen van der Hayden's part of the backroom staff, but I mean, the fact that we've got Alec Ray still in there, I mean, that was one thing everybody was saying, oh, we need a Rangers 
minded person on the coaching staff he's done that I think he even had Stephen Davis in and around I think Alec Ray went from one game sitting beside us in the gantry talking nonsense asking us to get my pie that's the route to promotion obviously <laughs> sit next to this is Ibrox and then get into we should have just been one seat team. further to the left yeah. and we would have made it but um, yeah it, 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 was, it was very cool and it was the it was the speed at which he's done it as well but I think I don't think that's a difficult thing I just think so many of the players had lost belief in Bill it must be he, not easy, but so positive when somebody comes in and is like, right, let's just take this back to basics. We'll just make it really simple and has got everybody on board. And it, it was it was pretty scary how quickly he got everybody on board. Yeah, Ross, it was important that Fleet Comont came in. We went on a winning run. We just tried to, I guess, hang on to the coattails of Celtic, who were eight points ahead at that point. Just keep ourselves in it as close as we can, get to the point we're at now get to the, the winter break and, and take stock and, and see where we are we've obviously made a lot of progress thanks to the consistency that's come from that how big w- I'm going to touch on one of the earlier games because he started really well but that game against Hearts at Ibrox where it was probably the first time that under Fluke come on that the team just didn't perform the team was just not performing well at all Hearts were tar- targeting Ridvan from the start and they were finding joy um, and it Took until what the ninety sixth minute, hmm. I think it was, for us to 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 take the lead and go two one up. How important was that for just keeping everything going, keeping everything ticking over, keeping the fans' belief in what was happening, and keeping, I guess, probably the players' belief as well? Because Fluke Hunt came in, he's taken the exact same players that were there with Michael Beale. He's not had the chance to bring in any new ones really. Obviously, Fabio Silva in the last few days, but up until then, he's taken the exact same players that we were all lambasting in every way possible and he has taken them and he's transformed them into a team that is winning the games they're expected to win playing better football yes they're still making some mistakes but they are they're getting there and you can see game by game the progress how important was that win at that stage to do that and how impressed have you been with the fact that it has taken the same squad but transformed them yeah, I'm impressed, but I'm not surprised based on the, the kind of research I've done before he came in and that that spell in Belgium. I think, I actually think back to that Hearts game and yeah, we didn't we didn't play well that day, but the team didn't give up. And I think that, I think a lot of the fan base seen it that day and that's why the atmosphere was actually so good. Even when they were 1-0 down, I felt the fans were rallying behind the players, which we've seen a lot in European games. It really does benefit the players when the, when the crowd are right there behind them. And I think... That definitely helped them that day. And I think the fans would have... It sounds really silly to say, but I think they wouldn't have lost belief in Philippe Quant if we hadn't picked up three points that day. But of course, it's fantastic to keep things going. Again, shows the the relentlessness from him that it's like, we, we don't stop, we keep going. That, that We're going to try and grab the three points here regardless of how we're playing. And I think that, that was refreshing again because we hadn't seen that under Michael Beale. The players looked lost against Aberdeen that looked the complete opposite against Hearts um, when it was coming towards that back end of the game. So... Yeah, I, I don't think the fans overall would have lost belief, but of course it's important to just keep things going. I think we've seen that through when, when he's been asked in press conferences about a, a title race, he just bats it off. He's like, I'm not not interested in that. I just want to get a team performing consistently. I'm sure Kyle will bring up the four pillars at some point that he's referenced. Um, and that's what he's looking for. He's, he's trying to build on those four pillars every single week. And I think he's done that. I know, of course, we've had a poor result towards the back end before the winter break, but overall he's had a fantastic start. Um, and that's not winning every single game. But again, I've come back to it. There's a team that you can buy into again. That was lost completely 
lost under the previous yep. manager. You've now got a team and players in there that you look at and before you thought, there's nothing, you're not getting anything from them. There's there's quite a few players in there that you go, they're actually genuinely good players. You know, he's, he's found a system to get these players playing at their level again. And I think Kale made a good point. He simplified it. He's just went to a simple 4-2-3-1. He's put people in positions that make sense to them. And you've seen the team kick on. Yeah. I'm sure things will continue to grow. And when he brings in his own players, I'm sure he'll continue to change things. But as is, he's looked at the squad and he's went, this is what I've got. This is what I've got to work with. And this is the best, you know, this is the system that's going to get the best out of them. And that's mm. that's great to see. Yeah, Tommy Ross touched on the backing of the fans there. thought it was really interesting. So Fluke won't come in. One of his first games was Sparta Prague at home. We won that one, went to Sparta Prague away, struggled for 70 minutes or so, and then looked like we were going to snatch it, but yeah. got the draw. Came out of those two games, and you're thinking, right, we've got a bit of a chance here. Again, Europa League continuing. Next game was Aris at home. We knew the difficulties we were facing in the away game. Stephen Davis was in charge. We were in a bit of flux. We were all, the players were all over the place. Felt like they were more consistent now. We all went to that game, I think. <laughs> expecting to win <laughs> um, Kyle and I certainly did anyway um, but there was an expectation from the whole stadium I think that night and it was the first time Philippe Comont and his post-match press conference brought up the fact that the nervousness from these fans made its way onto the pitch and the and the, uh, first time he's brought up the, he brought up the fact that the fans do have such an impact on the mm -hmm. players and the, the fans the mood of the fans um, or the, the energy that the fans have can push players up higher or they can bring them back back down and actually make it more difficult. I thought that was really interesting. Do you think that was a bit eye-opening for Fluke Comont as well in terms of how quickly the fans can get nervous or how quickly, because 10 minutes into the game and the fans are the fans yeah. are nervous in that one. And it's, I thought, it, I, th I did think it was really interesting because that was probably the first game where, yes, we turn up to domestic games at home expecting to win but there, there wasn't. There's nothing like the the pressure that I, that I felt from yeah. the stands in that game. I, I don't think I opening for him. I think you'll have known uh, about some of that. Maybe first time feeling it in the stadium personally. But I think it's more a reflection of he's quite a canny operator, Philippe Clement. I think he got to the point where he knew that he had a good bedrock of understanding of the club and with the fan base, and he'd done enough to get confidence that he could call us out and start to do that. And say, well, actually, I need you to come with this team as well, because that's what he naturally wants. And you know, the Rangers fans, like any fan base, you want a leader who's going to lead, who you can believe in, who's credible, and you go, right, that's who we're putting our trust in. And I think he'd got to the stage where he goes, right, I can actually <laughs> turn around and go, right, if you want that to perform on the pitch and you want me to do my job, I need you to reflect on what you're doing in the stands. That's no bad thing. You know, we know sometimes the Ibrox atmosphere can be expectant. That can sometimes be. Um, a difficult place for Rangers players to play as well. So no, I, I don't. I certainly don't have any problem with it. And he wasn't doing it from a position of um, right. I need to throw somebody else. I need to throw something under the bus because it's not going well. And again, that's a canny operator when it's pretty good feeling around about the club and with the fan base. Put the challenges to people, right? So you know it's not a. He's just scattergun approaching and throwing players and mm. all that under the bus. So yeah, I'm, I'm not an eye opener. I think he knew what it was like. Like I said, he'd watched all the games. He had spoken to people. He'd spoken to people who'd been uh, at Ibrox and played at Ibrox and all that as well. Uh, so I don't think he was under any illusions about what it was like. So I, I actually quite liked the fact that he's willing to call out the fan base in the right way. 
I like the fact he's willing to call out his players in the right way. We might talk about the Campbell substitution at some point as well. I like the fact that he's willing to defend the club robustly, to speak directly, but also that means talking to us as well. And that goes back to, again, we've all been in the room with him. That's not just for the cameras. That's definitely exactly how he operates. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Cantwell substitution then since it's the same game. <laughs> I'm on fire here. I'm just <laughs> chucking in things to, to the agenda. <laughs> since it was the same game, let's talk about it. Todd Cantwell did not have a good start to that game. Nope. Todd Cantwell gave, was messing about with the ball around the... Um, it's what 30 yards from goal because <laughs> there's so many words there and I just went and messed it up well, well done well, well done actually yeah, I'm quite impressed with that he's trying to bait me in here yeah, yeah. yeah 100% <laughs> someone pressed the wrong button <laughs> he's trying to jump in um, so Cantwell was caught on the ball we'll go for um, 30 40 yards out from the goal I just break up the pitch and they go ahead it was the atmosphere was toxic at that point mm-hmm. it, I think Cantwell felt that and he struggled to recover from that he was then taken off at 30 minutes 35 minutes around that so it was in there somewhere yeah, yeah around that period of time fans were expecting a substitution they were expecting Sam Lammers to be taken off they weren't expecting Todd Cantwell to be taken off Todd Cantwell was taken off it was clear there was no injury involved how what did you think of about the manager's decision at that moment in time and then how did you feel both the manager and the player have handled that since so initially when that sub was made not surprised because I think I was at that game with you Tommy yes it was me yeah. <laughs> I was there again <laughs> what's going on here something went wrong Tommy's, Tommy's Tommy's the guy into it. it was the f- chill that night but you is that I, why you were hugging me that's, right, it was the chill right that's exactly it and um, but before that happened Cantwell gave verbals to come on like there is no two ways about it he did and and Clement was just, I'm not having that, and just hooked him because of it. Because you can't, you cannot have that if you're a manager. You cannot have a player, you know, being open, back chatting you like that on the pitch. The way that they've both handled it since then has been fantastic, I think. Because Clement could have come out and said, yeah, he spoke back to me, gave me some cheek, mm. but he didn't do that. He just said, look, he wasn't doing what I was doing. I've put my arm around Cantwell. We've, we've spoken to it about it, and... And then since then, it's, it's, it's been amazing. He's totally got Cantwell on site. I think Cantwell even came out after that and said, I, I, I can't, I don't play in the right. Like, if I'm asked to play there, I'll play there, but I'm much better through the middle. The next game, I think we literally saw Cantwell starting through the middle and it was like a totally different player. I mean, you've even seen him when he's been getting subbed off. He's having wee jokes with him since then now and, and talking about him. So, yeah, it was it was the right decision and something that I don't think the previous manager would have done um, and the fact that you know Cantwell's been such a standout player for us and for a good 8-9 months now and to, to, not, to have the balls basically to hook one of your best players although he wasn't having the best game at that time it was a, it was a huge statement eh? I was going to pick up on that point because I don't think Cantwell's played particularly well for the past Dude, few months well, I was going to say um, the, word, the, 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 words, mean, the word stand out there nine, nine kind of months I think I said there he had a good uh, six months in the sort of three months I'm with you Kyle don't worry I don't know I will come to you Ross and let you give your opinion <laughs> so um, I don't think Cantwell's stood up at all this mm. season really maybe the odd game here and there but I don't think he's stood up at all this season to be counted I don't think we've seen the best of him yes part of that is down to the fact he's been put out right at times but he's had plenty of games in the middle as well where he's just he's, he's either taken too long in the ball he's looked like he's lacked confidence a wee bit stuff he's tried hasn't come off and I'm all four players trying stuff but he needs to come off every now and again if you're going to keep keep trying it and make an impact there you obviously think differently so where do you think Cantwell's been a success so far this season 
I don't want to bore everyone, but based on the data, he's the second most creative player in the league. Um, I won't say who's top. We'll just leave it at that. But I, I think, I think it's fair to say that maybe he's not delivering as many numbers that we would like from a player in that position. I think that's fair. I think he has it stands as maybe two goals and three assists this season, which isn't great for a number ten. What I would say is, and you refer to it, he's been moved around quite a lot. And I think we all said at the beginning of the season under Michael Beale, you need to you need to play him in the, the front line, really. We can't continue to move him. We're not getting the best out of him. Then Clement came in and he, he felt, well, I don't have anyone on the right. I'm going to have to play someone there on the right. And he chose Todd Cantwell. And he obviously realised that long-term, that just wasn't that wasn't his long-term position. He's then moved him back into a number 10 role. And I think you're starting to see more of a player there again. I think the, the game for me, why I, I'm probably defending Todd Cantwell a lot, was, was the League Cup final. The second half... I really feel it was Todd Campbell that pushed Rangers on that day. I thought he was the one that was trying his best to make something happen, driving with the ball, wee cute passes. I think there was one point where Aberdeen were breaking as well and he makes a last-ditch sliding tackle. I, I felt that was a real performance from Campbell that day. Can he can he do things better? Can, can more of the things he tries come off? Yeah, of course. But I want a player in that position to take risks. If, if, you, if, you're, if your player at number 10 can't take risks, you're not going to score goals. So I, I'm... Yeah, maybe I'm a bit protective of him. I like, I like him as a player. I like to watch him. I think when he picks up the ball, you always feel there's something that could happen. I don't think we have a lot of players like that. So I'm trying to enjoy Todd Cantwell. But I think it's fair to say there, there is more to come from him. I just don't think he's being as bad as maybe you think he has been. I didn't say bad. I just said it could be better. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. I, I can agree I yeah. can agree with that. I as think well. we actually yeah. all agree in that through circumstances not maybe within his control being moved about shunted out right etc a little bit of dip in form as well he's not he's not produced the match changing moments yeah. that we all expect and there's a level of expectancy on Todd Campbell which mm -hmm. maybe is unrealistic as well sometimes um, is there more to come from yes do we all want more from him yes that's a positive do I think there's more in the tank from Todd Campbell absolutely and so that's maybe where we're all positioned so there we go I've mediated I've brought us all, <laughs> brought us all together there so that, that's probably where I sit as well in that I think there's more to come from him in a match changer um, yeah. sort of scenario in that right did he grab the scruff of the, the game with the scruff of the neck did he have that big big moment I think that's what I'm looking for from he Todd needs Campbell. that performance he had in the, the old firm at the end of last season this season doesn't yeah. it that, yeah, he needs that big I'm, moment I'm to just come this year chucking this in there but if we have somebody better at finishing up front Todd Campbell's season looks a whole lot better this year yeah I don't think that's. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that yeah. particular point. Yeah, I think that's fair. You mentioned the League Cup final, so we'll come on to December, which we knew was going to be a huge one for Rangers. We were we we needed to come through December pretty much unscathed if we were going to be competing on all three fronts. We had the opportunity to lift the first trophy of the season, which we knew would be huge. We faltered in that area so many times mm. in recent years that we knew that just get. The, get that winning mentality within this group again and let's see where they can go we were already winning games we um, we knew that we were going into the League Cup final on the back of being away to Real Betis in Seville um, where the weather plays a part because it's roasting Real Betis hadn't lost a game they were unbeaten at home um, for however long I can't remember how long I think they'd just drawn with Real Madrid three yeah. years before so exactly. yeah tough place so to go yeah. we'd been them at Ibrox but you knew how how good a, a, a team you were coming up against we put, a, we put a poll on our Twitter feed saying if you could have one or the other which one are you going for there was loads of discussion that week yeah. around well we need to rest players somehow 
how do we how do we go about doing that? In the end, we played our best team in both games. Went away to Betis, saw Cyril Dessler's finest moment in a <laughs> in a Rangers jersey, and that'll probably yeah. remain as his finest <laughs> moment in a Rangers jersey. Going by how things have gone since, but the um, that was a great performance um, that we saw out in Seville that night, and then we came back, we won uh, the Viaplay Cup final. Wasn't the nicest game in the world to watch, but it's all about winning at that stage. And we got over the line, James Tavernier again, playing a hugely important role mm-hmm. that is all too often forgotten. I think, how important, how big was that week, Tommy, do you think, in terms of just, right, this team is back, this team's arrived for this season, and we're, we're all behind them, and we're all moving in the same direction. Actually, the belief that, yes, they're winning, but they can take that next step and and really when it matters they can stand up seminal seminal absolutely seminal in terms of the the season and Philip Clement and relationship and all that stuff that we've spoken about it's a, it's a very fine line between belief and delusion right and belief has to be driven by momentum and tangible success so you go right we go away to a really really tough place arguably the best team in the group right player for player and beat them in their home patch right I think they'd been unbeaten um, this season up to that point there and then you win that first trophy which is huge because that has always been a, a stumbling block and a mental stumbling block as well I liked in those moments the fact that we did it different ways I think I said this at the time which is you go away to a, a place like Seville you go to Real Betis and you play a team who are footballers right and you go toe-to-toe with them and you beat them by playing football we didn't snatch and grab it we went toe-to-toe with them right then you come back and in a really pressurised and potent cup final you get down in the trenches next to industrial level hoof the ball football with Aberdeen right because they didn't turn up to play football they turned up to kick and rush right and so right we got in next to that we produced bits of quality but we also stood up to the physicality we stood up to the pressure we we did everything we had to do and you go right how did it all shake out three points in top to group all right and I'm got a winner's medal around my neck and you did it in two different ways that's what I absolutely loved <clears throat> about the way Philippe Clement got that team to work and the way that the players did that as well because if you can win in those two environments it bodes really really well and then cycling on it the rest of December really important as well but that week crystallised everything that we hope Philippe Clement will continue to deliver and then he turns around in the dressing room and goes like that to the players just follow what I'm doing I think Jack Butland after the cup final said you know we were lost we always felt we had talent but we were lost he's come in and he simplified it yeah. right guys keep it simple do what I tell you and you'll top your group <laughs> and you'll get more winners medals than not won't always be up you know there'll be downs every team has that but that's where you get belief that's where delusion gets locked away in a cupboard because you're not just saying oh we're such and such we should win no no we're winning that's why we should win yeah that's a great recipe okay mm-hmm. I want both your opinion on this but how as fans do you think that obviously there was various points in that Real Betis game where we were actually in the Conference League. We weren't even still in the Europa League, we were in the Conference League. And um, there's various points where we were on the edge of, do we qualify, do we not? And then all of a sudden you top the group, you skip the the really difficult teams dropping out of the Champions League, you're into the last 16. Technically you're 
throw it three ties from a final, four ties from a final. Um, Hold on. I'm just sitting facts here. The final is in Dublin, by the way, in case anyone doesn't know. I, I think uh, everybody is aware <laughs> of that particular point. Um, you've done that. You've then went and you've lifted the, the first trophy of the year as fans. How important was that and how much of a boost does that give going into the second half of the season? Are you asking me how important it was to beat Aberdeen in a cup final? Because <laughs> um, it was very important. Yeah, I, we're not putting a poll I, out I, with that one. <laughs> yeah, no. It, in terms of our European campaign, it, the last the year before that was not an enjoyable year for Rangers supporters in, in Europe. And in even some of the games and the results leading up to that away game in Batiste, it hadn't been the best. I, we were... We were I was waiting for that, you know, really good standout game, and it, and it happened in that Batiste game, as you said, the Dessers ways. I'm enjoying the Batiste, by the way. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure about that. it. Is that? Oh, no, I'm not, Batiste, I'm not sure I'm buying that. Batiste, you're a Club Batiste? Brugge guy. Club yeah. <laughs> 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 Brugge. <laughs> I'll have a while. <laughs> I'm going for it. Um, where was I? I beat the team, beating the other team face to Um I, It was it was brilliant, and then obviously. It's just the, the fact to have something tangible to point at to go here, guys. You can actually do this, mm. and I think that's what's you know driven and blowing the belief into the squad. Yeah. I should say just before you go on to Ross with that question, and, and I agree with what you're saying there. Aberdeen were not the important thing. They are never the important <laughs> thing, right? They were just the they were the wall in the kicky game, right? In terms of they were just there to be in the cup final. Beating them in the cup final is not important. Rangers winning the cup was the important part of the story. I just want to make that absolutely clear. Yeah. It's always, nice to, always nice to be Aberdeen though. Oh well, aye, of course, <laughs> but they should be used to that by now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually, I think the Viaplay Cup win was way more important than Europe for the team. Mm. Um, not for the obvious reasons, right, win the trophy, but we have seen this Rangers squad before playing European ties where the pressure is off and they've delivered. They've got some remarkable results. You think of that run to Europa League final, that that game in Dortmund was ridiculous. I've never seen anything. I actually remember when the, the Lundstrom goal went in, I started laughing. It's just one of those moments where you're like, what, what is going on? So I've seen the team perform um, at this level before when, yeah, like I said, there's not a lot of pressure. But coming back to the Viaplay Cup, it had been building in the week, as it always is in the media. There's you know, penalties, things like that. And... I think there was a lot of pressure on Rangers. I think Aberdeen, there wasn't any pressure at all. They were just coming in to see if they could ruin our day, really, yeah. and, and take a trophy with them. And the players stood up that day. It wasn't a great game. I'd, I'd probably say that most cup finals are pretty poor to watch, to be honest with you, even outside of Rangers. Most cup finals, are they're always poor. So I wasn't expect, expecting to turn up at Hamden that day and you know watch like Barcelona versus Manchester City, to be honest with you. I didn't expect that level of football, but... I just felt that day, especially in the second half, I think Clermont had really got to them at half time and really drove home that this was a must win. And I think you've seen that at the end of the game with the, the celebrations. A lot of emotion from Philippe Clermont walking mm. around the stadium that day with the trophy, really enjoying it with the fans, the players did as well. I think you could see that they had obviously put a lot of pressure on themselves for that trophy and they let it all out at the end. And I think that will just ultimately give them a lot of confidence moving forward. Like Tommy said, there's going to be ups and downs. They're not going to win every single game. But I think it, it gives them belief that when they go into these big games, they can they can get a result. I feel a wee bit, I've seen at the moment, based on the result we've just had at Parkhead, but 
there's still plenty in this squad now that I think they believe they can turn this whole season's ar- season around. They're back in a title race. They've got the trophy. There's no reason they can't go win the Scottish Cup. And do you know what? You were talking about ties to a final. Maybe we wouldn't go that far, but I think there's certainly enough belief in the squad that they can make a dent when they come back into that last 16 mm. in Europa League. And, and that's what we want, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. December's a bit of a blur, to be honest, but we know that um, Celtic dropped points at various points in, um, in December, which gave us a massive boost as well because it brought us back into a title race that we spoke about earlier on that we thought way back in end of September or October we thought was gone already by that stage. Um, we, we were well in back in a title race. We were only two points behind at that stage. Sadly, uh, um, the Ross County game was mm. postponed, which um, which meant that we have two games in hand. Um, we went into the Old Firm game. We all watched the Old Firm game together. I think we were all quietly confident heading into that one. We put in a, a good challenge, and we would we had a we had our fair share of chance yeah. to win that. It's always it's always difficult when um, you're going you're going away from home. You've got no fans in the stadium. Um, the pressures are on both sides, and there wasn't pressure wasn't just on us. The pressure was on was on them. We'd spoken about if, if we were able to get the win, just how much it would unravel um, elsewhere. But we also felt that if we don't win, it's okay because we're still in this. We've, we're going into the second half of the season well in a title race. We we know we'll drop points at some point, but we also think Celtic will drop points at some point going into the second half of the season as well. It definitely felt like we should have done a bit better in that game. I don't know if if you agree, Tony, I'll come to you first of all. It felt like we should have given a better account to ourselves, but I also think it highlighted the the problems that we faced all season, and that's up front and in the forward line and in that final third and taking the chances when they come. Yeah, I think but broadly broadly agree with that. I mean, one scratch doesn't scrap the car, so to speak. So yeah, it was a poor, a poor result, poor performance in the second half, but it doesn't throw us out of the title race. You know, if, if people would have been you know, thinking, well, by the way, you get to the end of December, you'll have had an old firm defeat. That, if you win your other games, puts you two points behind and you've won the first trophy and you've qualified as group winners. People have been like, right, okay, you're not allowed to drink in December because you've evidently had quite enough by that point in time. So, yeah, I think first half we were okay. Second half, yeah, we, we absolutely didn't do what we needed to. We were undone by a lack of quality at the top and Celtic can't have better quality up top than, than we do and that, that showed the, the opening minutes of the second half is what really killed it. We didn't come alive until James Tavernier scores another fantastic free kick. But ultimately, it's not fatal. And that's the, that's the overriding story there, right? Because you come out and you go, right, again, we keep coming back to it. There's, lo- there's lots more positivity in this than we thought 12, 13 weeks ago. And you go, right, got Europa League football to look forward to as group winners via play winners and win your games in hand which we're eminently capable of doing now that we're refreshing the squad as well you're two points behind right and then it's a case of matching or bettering what Celtic do and getting them back to Ibrox and giving the performance that Philippe Clement wants so yeah I mean I'm looking absolutely really you know forward to the next half of the season because I think we're right in amongst it it's as simple as that. Rangers are right in amongst every single trophy that we're going for in Europe. Let's take it game by game. <laughs> no one is getting carried away just yet. I'm doing the Philippe Clement there. It's a marathon. <laughs> it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Kyle, old firm game 
and give your thoughts on that if you wish. I think Tommy's covered quite a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. but nailed it. I've absolutely, I've absolutely nailed it. <laughs> but in terms of looking ahead now, looking ahead to the second half of the season, looking ahead to what you feel this team can offer or what you hope for from this team, where where does that lie? Well, obviously you want to win the league. Um, I think we've touched Is the on... league the most important one yeah the, yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's not even a question for me it's every year the, the league is the most important but it's just it's the fact we've got a wee bit of belief i'm, I'm absolutely fascinated to see how this transfer window will play out it's that it's so cliche but it's he's not got his own players in quite yet fabio silva we've seen a wee brief glimpse of him as you already alluded to i think one of the major feelings in that celtic game was we didn't have anybody sufficient enough up front the fact that we have addressed that even before the window officially opened and we had a guy in playing against Kilmarnock uh, a new forward was was brilliant even though it is a loan I think that's a market we might explore more um, in the January transfer window but just to keep the consistency just to see uh, you can see a real style of play and what I mean by that is we have different ways we can attack and as long as that continues under Clement and we defend well and we keep up these clean sheets that we've been keeping as well yeah I don't see why we can't do it you have the same mindset Ross uh, yeah I, I'm, the, the league is the most important for me every single year that that won't change uh, so I agree with Kyle there yeah I think January transfer window I think will be crucial I, I don't think Rangers will do a lot of business but they certainly have to do business at the top end of the park they've obviously like Kyle said bring out, brought in Fabio Silva looks a good player we have to wait and see with that one We've seen other players like like uh, Emmanuel De Emmanuel Dennis, who come on worked with uh, briefly at Club Bruges. So that's definitely going to be an area that I think Clement really recognises we need to strengthen. I think we will. So interestingly enough, I think the other side of the city will be in exactly the same position. I think they realise they need to strengthen as well. So both clubs are going to go for it, and really that's a that's a huge positive for me because, like you said before, we we weren't in it. I think when Beal got signed, I think I said we were out of it. Mm. And, I, and I'm, you know, I'll admit that now. And because we're back in it, I might not have admitted that if, <laughs> if we were away. Um, I'd probably still say that we had a chance. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I have a lot of confidence going into the second half of the season. I think there's a good squad there. I think we've started to see players coming back now. Um, Clement spoke about that in his press conference after Kilmarnock saying, I, th I think he actually referenced there was 11 players out at one point. Um, and I think it's fair to say he's not happy about the injury situation. If anyone asks him about it, he's quick yeah. to shut it down. So he, he's happy. There's a lot of players coming back. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm really, really confident. Hopefully we do some good business in the January window and we push on. Yeah, I was smiling there. I was, expect, I was expecting you to say Club Brugge to drive down. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what I was thinking. I was looking across the table saying, see it, see it. I've said that enough on the podcast. I don't want to ruin it. It's like Nico Raskan, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in a, yeah, in a friendly between Club Brugge and Betis. Um, so there we go. Yeah. What other way do you see it? I've been sitting here for the last like, Betis. minutes. Betis. Betis. Oh, right, okay. I'm with you, Kyle. Honestly, it is Betis. That's fine. Yeah, and on that note, I think we will <laughs> I think we will round off the podcast there. Thank you very much to you all for. I'm not going to say that. I think we're going to do something. In the, no, we There we go. Right, Would okay. you like to say? I think we're going to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we're in it. We've put ourselves in a great position. Philippe, come on. The guys have referenced the transfer window. There we go. Yeah, we have absolutely put ourselves in a great position going forward, and much more to look forward to than I thought we would have. Um, sort of 12, 13 weeks yeah. ago as you said Tommy so thank you very much to you guys for joining us thank you very much to everyone for listening and watching um, that's 
been our sort of mid-season review. We're very much looking forward to what's going to happen in the transfer window. We're very much looking forward to what's going to um, what's going to happen um, once the winter breaks over and beyond. So make sure you stay tuned to the TII YouTube channel. Drop a like on the video if you've enjoyed the content. Make sure you subscribe, turn on those notifications uh, and you'll, you'll be able to find out every single time we go live. Um, all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network.